Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Free Idiots in a Movie podcast. I'm Joel. I'm Kyle. I'm Scott. And we did it right this week. Brilliant start to the new year. I'm going to mess it up next week. Happy New Year, boys, even though we're a week in now. Actually, to be fair, I've not said that to Scott yet. I've not seen him. No, I've been MI. It's been hiding. Been jerking off and playing League of Legends. Absolutely. It's the best way to live. To be fair, every time I open Discord, it's either League of Legends or Battlefield 2042. To be fair, for the League of Legends thing, I was stuck with a laptop that couldn't run, well, I could barely league it anything stable so that's fair so anyway uh just to give the viewers a bit of context to start the year we thought we'd each go around and do an episode on what our favorite release from 2023 was so to start off we've got me because i think scott's exact quote was get the depression out of the way early in the year yes so today we're watching past lives now i don't know do you guys want to say what you're bringing to the table over the next uh two weeks as well your films of the year uh, another cheery one in oppenheimer i think that's planned to be next yeah that is next very happy movie obviously yes yeah <laughs> then what are you gonna bring us kyle fairly certain it was killers of the flower moon yes it is I don't have any context for that one. Is it another cheery one? Uh, it is very cheery. And um, how do I put this? Some of the words used, the the vocabulary is quite something. Um, yeah. Um, <laughs> oh dear. It's an epic Western crime drama directed by Martin Scorsese. Okay, I look forward to that. It's genuinely fantastic, though. It is absolutely phenomenal. Just don't do a me. Make sure you go for a pee beforehand. <laughs> How it, long is it? it? Was, oh, God. Oh, it's like three and a half hours long. And I was like, oh, yeah, it's just going to be an hour and a half. I can hold it in. And we got three about hours. two and a half Sweaty hours sick. in. And I was like, I'm going to die. <laughs> <sighs> Yeah, it's three hours, 26. And uh, Kyle also didn't know what the film was before going in. He thought it was a horror film because it had killer in the title. Yes. I never claimed to be wise. <laughs> I was just, you know what? That just showed how much our friendship meant to you. You're like, yeah, I'll go chill at the cinema with the boy. Yeah. Didn't even know what he was saying. See that I didn't. <laughs> you, you were, I think you were, funnily enough, you were ill. Was I? Yes. <laughs> That's the default state. You were actually, you were ill that week. Oh, Jesus. Right, so anyway. He's never, like, ever, like, not ill. No. Oh, man. He's always in the set, in the state of just recovering for an illness, or just about to get over one. It's a lovely cycle. You know that, like, little pickliness you get in your throat when you're not ill, but you can, you can feel it in the air. Feeling my bones. So anyway, do you two want to uh, open up with your opinions? Don't know what did you know about the film before going in, and what were you expecting? What did you get? Just a little, a little kind of summary from your opinions before we go a bit more in depth. All I'd seen was the trailer and context that it would be sad. Uh, yes. Yes is my answer. 
Um, it's a good movie. It's just quite difficult to watch. I think that's a very, a very decent way to put it. Mm-hmm. Do you have anything to add there, Carl? Um, not particularly. All I knew about it was from yourself that it was sad. Um, I don't think I don't know if sad. Credit. I think emotional, maybe more than sad. Depressing depends on the context you have. It, it, it depends. Yeah, it depends on what way you view the film. But if you are going to, you're going to feel emotions watching this film. Yeah. Yeah. What were you saying about me not giving it enough? Um, credit for being sad. I think that's fair. Yeah, I don't think you do. <laughs> Did I not? Because I told you boys I was weeping at the end of this film the first time I watched it. You said that for Lilo and Stitch as well. No, Robert, I, might, you... I, might, I might just be a cold, heartless bastard. Yeah, you need to re-sentencing that sentence. If you're telling me that this is my family, it's broken but still good, yeah, still good. You tell me that didn't make you tear up. This this cuts a bit closer to home than that. <laughs> ah, man, don't. That Leland Stitch scene gets me every time. I think Carl can agree on that one. It got me pretty bad. Yeah. Um... But Lilo and Stitch is special. <laughs> I didn't watch it when I was a kid, so it's not got that. It's not got that tied to. Ah, disappointing. I know, I know. So for me, this is. I'd kind of heard about this film at the beginning of the year, and it was one that I'd been wanting to see, wanting to see, wanting to see, and then it came up to the cinema up here when I was on holiday, so I missed it. And then I was just kind of waiting for the time and I bit the bullet and I think bought it on Amazon Prime a few weeks ago. And I sat down and watched it and wow was my first opinion. Mm -hmm. And I've watched it two more times since. So I've seen it three times in under a month. It's good. I that's not even giving it anywhere near what it deserves. It's absolutely brilliant. I don't know. It's I've got it in my top four after watching it these three times. It's a direct. It's a directorial debut for um, Cecily's. Sorry, Celine's song, which I think is just another. That's incredibly impressive. That this is your directorial debut. You know, if you're coming out swinging, as they say. It is one way to make a name for yourself. Yeah. Um, yeah. Produced by A24, they have a good track record, in my mind. They did Hereditary, uh, Midsommar. Midsommar was really good. They've, oh. done, they've done a lot. Uh, they've done some I really hated. Anything else? Uh... I honestly don't think they'll have done a single film you've seen. Oh, good. I'm, I'm just taking a quick scan through this list here. I tell you, you didn't see Tusk. No. Yeah, I didn't think you would have. 
Ex Machina? Nope. I don't think, yeah, I don't think we're going to get anything here. I think that would yes. be the closest to... Yeah, they did the Vich, Green Room, the Lobster. That is probably unlikely. <laughs> yep. Uh, nearly at the end of the list here, and I can... Oh, Everything Everywhere All at Once. I've seen that. Yeah, they, they did that. I've not that. seen that one yet. It's, oh, very, it's very good. It's very, very good. We should do that at some point. Yeah, it's very, very good. Trippy as hell, but good. Yeah, I've heard a lot of people say it's very trippy. and I went to see that in the cinema having zero <laughs> oh, context other than this film is really good. So I decided to go and see it. And Were you questioning whether you might have had some some um, I think something interesting I beforehand? Felt every emotion that you can feel. While watching that film, it was a it was a ride. Yeah. Um, sadly, they they also produced the movie X, which I might get some hate from this, but it is the most overrated horror movie of all time. Redeemed himself with the the prequel Pearl, though that was good. But yeah, they've done a lot of films. Uh, Obviously, these are all different genres, but they still kind of all have that same feeling of, I'd say, like a passion project from the from the director and the writer. They always seem to be. Something. Are they all lower budget kind of thing? I I think so. Um, I do remember reading. I think the new film they've got coming out, Civil War, is their like kind of highest budget film. Okay. But. I could be completely wrong saying this. I'm just reading off this. It does look like it is kind of that slightly lower, more indie kind of film. Oh, this was only 12 million. This is quite a low. Yeah. Okay. They they kind of also have a lot of directors they like working with frequently. They have Ari Aster for Midsummer, uh, I West for Pearl and X, stuff like that. They they they're one of those kind of if you like one of their films, you'll probably find some other stuff in there that you're going to like. I might have a bruise. Yeah, um, don't watch any of the Ari Aster ones, because you will not enjoy them. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, oh, could you imagine Scott watching Midsommar, Kyle? I, I actually think Scott would enjoy it. Um, but I think he would also <laughs> end up very confused. Yeah, he'd enjoy Hereditary a lot less because that's more typical horror. Yeah, I think he would like the scene with the head. Yeah, everyone likes the scene with the head. I, um, I'd put money down on the fact that he would not enjoy Tusk. I'm not betting against that because you would win. <laughs> yeah, Tusk is a... It's a film. <laughs> I really like it. From the title, Scott, what do you think Tusk is about? Oh, mammoth. Let's go with that. No. So it's about Shit. a writer, and he goes to speak to this old man, and then he wakes up having been drugged. Now, the old man has done some surgery on him while he sleeps. 
and he's turning him into a walrus. Okay. Yeah. And it's not one of them films that has like a happy ending. Because he he is he fully gets turned into a walrus. I've got so many questions, but why do you watch that? As the... I got told that the film was good, and it was written and directed by Kevin Smith, and I love Kevin Smith, so I watched it. I, the film was good, but I'm never watching it again. Okay. Yeah, I'm not going to watch that. That film's never going to leave my mind. It was an experience. And it it has Johnny Depp doing a really weird French Canadian accent. Why did Johnny Depp accept that like role? <laughs> also, has an epic mealtime guy in it, Harley Morenstein. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a film. I do I do not understand what you watch. I will watch literally anything. Um, like um, I'll give anything a try. Of course, Kyle, what's on your mind? Kyle's gonna pull something out of the depths here. <laughs> I'm half expecting him to say like Salo the Hundred Days of Sodom. Oh no 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 no. Um you might enjoy Pan's Labyrinth. I have been really wanting to watch that because I do like Guelmo del Toro. It's... It was a movie that I was told is a kid's movie and then I looked into it and I was like, there is no hope in hell this is a kid's movie. See, I got... I wasn't allowed to watch it because I remember when it came out and I thought it was like the sequel to the David Bowie film. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to go see it and then my like, mum and dad saw what the film was and they were like, no... Because when did Pan's Labyrinth come out? Like, I want to say 2008 is my guess, 2006. Yeah, it's definitely not a film for a six-year-old. No. Almost definitely not. Um, so, just for any listeners, don't let your kids watch it. And, and for any listeners who heard me mention a Sallow or 120 Days of Sodom, don't watch that one. Uh, it's, unless you want to, but... I think it's kind of in the name. Have you ever heard of the film before, Kyle? No, but like, 100 well, Days of Sodom just sounds like gay porn. For, well, for the, for the reference of the two of you, um, this... I want reference. <laughs> The ratings on this are all mixed because I think it's like a it's in like the it's it's mentioned in a lot of lists with like a Serbian film and stuff like that. Um, um four corrupted fascist libertines round up nine teenage boys and girls and subject them to a hundred and twenty days of sadistic physical, mental and sexual torture. And are you telling us that you've seen it? Sounds... I have not seen it. No, horrid. I do not plan on seeing it. It was one day me and my friend was were like, let's watch something real fucked up. So we went on like the hundred most disturbing horror film lists, 
and that was on there. And I looked it up and, and very promptly decided that's not what I was going to watch that evening. Good. Because what the fuck? Yeah, I'll stick with like terrifiers the, the furthest I'm willing to go down the, the kind of quote unquote disturbing film lane. And yet you were trying to get us to watch that. What? Terrifier? Yeah. No, I recommended it to you. I told Scott never to go anywhere near it. I think that makes me want to watch Even it the dog was telling him not to watch it. <laughs> I just know for a fact, Scott, that film will mentally scar you because you don't like horror films. Anytime I watch that film or the sequel, I will have nightmares about that clown for at least a week afterwards. Go ahead, look up on whatever your preferred browser is. Look up Art the Clown. Art. Art. A-R-T. He's a a creepy boy. That's not how you spell clown, but okay. They're making a third one, and it's going to be set at Christmas, and it comes out this year. Oh, I click on images, and half of them are search blurred. Yeah. (laughs) Let's turn that off. There's a lot of blood in these images. Yeah, I see. You might also have an image of a of a woman dying in a very painful way. But yeah. That's the furthest I can go into disturbing because like, that's a hard watch to me and I at least that's like spooky serial killer clown and not fascist torture. It's not just straight up torture. Yeah. Well, before we get into the film, I know we're a little bit into this recording here. I just wanted to say on on the uh, on the topic of 2023, I don't know how many films you guys watched from last year, but what was the worst film you saw last year? It doesn't have to be one that came out last year. It could just be one you watched for the first time last year. Because I have something I want to say, but I'll let you two go first. Because a certain film really annoyed me last year. Um, um, oh, you've got us on the spot here. Um, right, do you want me to go on my little rant first? Go, yeah, go on, on your rant. Right. Old Dads on Netflix starring Bill Burr is the most annoying, dumb film I've seen in my life. It's just him being homophobic and transphobic. I got through half an hour of the film and then he used a transphobic slur as the punchline of a joke. And then when someone said, you can't say that, he said, but I've never complained about being called Ginger. Yeah. And it's just angry man makes up scenario to be annoyed at to justify him being fucking horrible. it was just not, it wasn't funny in the slight. There were some jokes that weren't incredibly offensive. They weren't funny either. It felt like even if it came out in the 90s, you'd <laughs> still be like, this is a bit, eh. Like, can't be saying that. I think Netflix must make shit like this just to get the publicity off of people going, why the fuck would anyone publish something that says something like that in it? 
The same thing happened like a month ago with the Matt Rife comedy special, where he made a domestic violence comment. I won't say joke because it wasn't really a joke. It wasn't funny. <laughs> att- mm-hmm. And like, I don't know if you've seen. I know you're a TikTok man, Kyle, and I know you're a Instagram reels enjoyer, Scott. You might have seen some Matt Rife before. He's the he's the crowd work comedian. Mm, I don't think so. Is he the guy with the impressive jawline? Yes, yes. And he said he said comedy's harder for him because he's attractive. Ah, yes, I remember him. Well, he suddenly went from crowd work like that, which is genuinely quite funny. I enjoy his crowd work too. Aha! You got punched by your boyfriend. Hmm. I don't know what Netflix are doing, man. Hmm. I've seen like one good Netflix original movie in my life. And it was that All Quiet on the Western Front. And I think that was just bought by Netflix for the publishing rights. In all fairness, Netflix hasn't released anything good in quite some time. And when they do release something good, if it doesn't get like, if it doesn't go viral, essentially, Mm -hmm. they'll just can it. And it's if they keep on canning these things, eventually people will stop actually watching shows, and I think that's where we're at now, where they're just putting out mediocre bullshit. And Amazon of... Prime we trust. Yeah, but even Amazon Prime's doing some shenanigans now. That's fine, they got the boys and they got Reacher. Apologies about the dogs. The, the dog got hyped. <laughs> heard, heard us mentioning the boys. Put the dog on the mic. Put the dog on the mic. Ask the dog if he is a homeland apo- homelander apologist. No. No. <laughs> I think that was a no, yeah. Bark if you agree with Homelander's policies. I'm ready for Kyle to start barking. <laughs> Why would I bark? I don't agree with Homelander. You don't? I think I can hear some barks in the background there though. Scott's just trying to silence them. <laughs> He's muted his mic or something. Shh. Anyway, do you two want to answer the question? Yes, I've not been paying much attention to you. I've been trying to find one, and I've found it. It would be Friday the 13th. Yeah, I was so disappointed because I remembered it being so good. And it yeah, just no. wasn't. No, it was just Oh, so long and so dry. Kyle, what, what's oh, yours? See, I, I had one in mind. Can't then, use the same one as Skill. Oh, I can't use the same one. Perfect, because nah, nah, it would have been, it, it would have been Friday the Thirteenth, because that just pissed me off at how bad it was. <laughs> um, in that case, oh no, it wasn't this year. I watched that. Was it this year? Tron Legacy. That was this year. Yeah. Well, last year, sorry. Oh. I, I think that would be like third, like third place for worst movie I've seen this year. But this is going to piss you off, Joel. Are they over to Friday the 13th and The Descent? No. American Psycho. What? Oh. Well, the more in. that I've like sat on it, the more I've just kind of like looked back on the movie and like really thought about it 
the more I realized I just didn't enjoy it. You're just taking jabs at me and Joel here. I can only apologize. Like The memes that came from it, fantastic. I recognized that there was a lot of like good within the movie, but it was just painfully meh. I'm glad I have the impartial uh, person that hadn't seen it before until we watched it for the podcast, Scott, here as well, so that I can't, I'm not just being an American psycho fanboy when I feel insulted by your opinion, but everyone's entitled to one. I don't think I rated it that highly, but I wouldn't have said it's anywhere near the bottom. I think you gave it like a three and a half, four. Yeah. I haven't watched that movie that many movies this year, and the movies I have seen are all anime ones that are... All half stars. No, they're all leaps and bounds better than normal movies. In Your personal bias might be playing into this, John. Uh, or his for anime. I think yours against anime. Nah, I even I have proof of Kyle admitting he has a bit of a, a bias towards anime. You also I do have, have a bias. When, I do have when, a bias towards it. When me and him had like a three-hour conversation about One Piece versus Doctor Who. <laughs> oh god. You didn't then, record it, did you? No, we did not. It was just on Messenger. And then like after a while, Kyle's like, to be fair though, I've not looked into Doctor Who. Give me a minute so I can get some evidence. And then he just came back and he's like, oh nah, I was a bit biased. Yeah, I'd spent like half an hour like properly doing a deep dive into it. I had nothing else going on. Yeah, I did. I had I was in front of my laptop, my PC when we were talking. So I was like looking stuff up to make sure I didn't say something stupid. It was a fun discussion. It was fun because it was quite interesting. Because like you two are like the only people I've spoken to that didn't grow up watching Doctor Who. We were a Star Trek. Yeah, like well, because as I said, like, back in my school, everyone watched Doctor Who. What was the? Oh, it wasn't Star Trek. It was the other one. It was the guy with the weird M on his head or something. Megamind? No, Stargate. Red Dwarf. You're not talking about something. Are no, you? it's a uh, Stargate Atlantis. Red it's Dwarf is fucking class. I watched. Have you watched it? On. I have not. I think I watched like one Red Dwarf. It's not an Emmy as on his head, is it? What is it? Yeah, it doesn't matter. He's got some. He's got an R on his head. Sorry, not an M. For red. No, it's a H. Shit, I can't fucking read. For her red. Her red. I will say, um, I want to give a. We talked a lot of bad there. There was one film that I watched for the first time this year. Mm-hmm. That film was La La Land. Oh boy. What a movie! Oh boy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that movie, man. It, La La Land and Past Lives are in my top four, and I watched them both for the first time last, last year. Absolute golden movies. Uh, La Land 100% Past Lives mm, 
I'm rating it five out of five. I know that much. I don't know what it is with that with past lives, and I suppose that's this is a good. Unless Scott wants to say anything about La La Land quickly. No, no, no. I'm fine. Just, just move on from La La Land. Scott, yeah. just like sitting there humming "City of Stars" to himself. <laughs> Rocking City in the corner of the room. City of Stars. But yeah, I don't know what it is about past lives. I just watched this, and yes, was effectively my reaction. And it's weird that like. I do enjoy rewatching films, but never this close together. But <laughs> I don't know what it is. Something was just like, yeah, I need to see that again. We have very different mindsets on this. Yeah. Um, personally, I will never watch that movie again. Um, I feel like the movie did an excellent job at being relatable to a wide audience whilst also conveying a very interesting story along the way. Yes. But I don't think it comes close to La La Land on how it made me feel, but it made me feel in a different way. And I didn't like that way. That's fair. So, yeah, um, I suppose we're about half an hour in. We should probably start talking about the film. Yeah. Were you wanting to say something there, Scout? Just an extension of Kyle's this would have uh, giving different timing this might have beaten La La Land I th- La La Land got like a boost in for you at the timing of you watching it and this yeah I don't know like whether a... it was great timing or dreadful timing and this got like a negative boost yes I'm far too mentally stable for this at the moment yeah actually that's a very good point I I'll be honest I was having a real bad week when I watched this. Oh no. <laughs> For the first time. So that might be why I like <laughs> I was yeah, no. not having a good week. There's yeah, th- there's a very big difference between when I watched <laughs> Land and this. It did well given its time, because I don't know that La La Land would have the same impact. It might because of I watched it at the time as well, but if I'd watched these back to back. I wouldn't be surprised whether this one would possibly hit a bit harder. Yeah, I watched... After watching this, obviously their La La Land comparison is spoilers alert for the ending of both films of the kind of two leads not ending up with each other. Uh, I watched La La Land again like right after watching this just because I wanted to see and I do think this is just slightly stronger. Mm, I have to disagree. My opinion was that this one was slightly stronger just because I'm not the biggest fan of musicals. I love La La Land, but I feel like it not being a musical... It's hard to... La La Land is perfect, and it wouldn't be better if it wasn't a musical. You know what would make this better if I didn't need to read subtitles? (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> oh no. My dyslexic cast did not like that. Don't worry, me and Kyle have been talking because there is some subtitled films we both want to watch for the for the podcast. And, and I will suffer through, spread but spread them out. Yeah, spread them yeah. out, and they're probably not going to have as much of an impact. 
as and, they would compared to either you guys reading them or if they were just in English. And I do want to apologize. I misspoke there. I actually do prefer La La Land. Slightly. Slightly. I think the thing I enjoyed about Past Lives is that it's yes, it is a slow movie. Not a whole lot happens. However, it doesn't feel like it's wasting your time. No. And I find it's, that very it's slow in a very movie. it's a very different slow than uh what was the Dune. horror one I said? Dune. Yeah, June or Friday. Uh, Friday 13th. Friday 13th. Yeah, yeah, like you were messaging me while you were watching it, Carl, and you were saying, like, oh, I'm like 40 odd minutes away from the end and not much has happened. But it's because the whole film is building you build back up, up yeah. to that. Like, you see the bar scene at the very start of the movie, <laughs> yeah. and then the whole film is building you up to how they got there. I I think it's a toy cost for me between this and La La Land for which is better to be honest. La La wins. La La Land. Oh, fucking words. <laughs> um, La La Land wins it, but given different circumstances, this would be close, if not. I I don't would know. say La La Land is a more enjoyable watch. Whereas this is the better movie, if that makes sense. Enjoyable's like, maybe not a word I would assign yeah. to La La Land. Uh, no, you're telling me you are not vibing when City of Stars comes on. Oh, for, or the, when, first, for the first half of the movie, when yeah. When he's playing in the band with John yeah. Legend, that song's a tune. It's like the first half of the movie, you're loving it. It's fantastic, everything's going great, and then you see how much is left of the movie, and you're like, oh, oh no. no. Yeah, it's that or just cut the last ten minutes off the film. They they end up happy together. It's fine. It's... Yeah. Well, see, I actually realized something when I watched the film again, and it made me realize how stupid I was the first time I watched La La Land. I always thought the bit of him going to like speak to her at the end was him getting off stage playing there. I didn't realize it was like a flashback to the start of the movie. Oh. I'm trying to think of the bit. I can't remember. So it's, you know when, obviously, he's playing on the piano, like, it's Seb's, and then mm-hmm. it shows him running to her and they kiss, and that's how their life starts. I assumed that that happened when he was imagining it in Seb's, but it doesn't. It's when he's playing the piano at the Christmas party at the very beginning of the film. Well, they're very different scenes. How did you get them mixed up? I don't know. But yeah, I always assumed that when he was imagining it in his head, he was imagining it happening in Seb's and continuing from that point, and not if I just spoke to her, this is how much differently stuff could have turned out, you know? Okay, yeah, no. No. <laughs> just, just, yeah, that would be an oh, I'm an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't know how you managed to mix that up. I think it's because I was just so engrossed by the performances that I wasn't paying attention to the scenery in the background. You were just staring at Ryan Gosling. I yeah, mean, be honest. Me. Yeah, come on. 
It's like looking. I hate to break it to you, but uh, you and him don't share very many characteristics. I drive. (laughs) I am Kinuff. Those aren't. You know what? Okay, whatever you believe in, buddy. Oh no, why was the next Ryan Gosling film that came to my head? Lars in the Real Girl. Oh no. I take it the silence means neither of you have heard of that one. No, but the title concerns me. Uh, Go take a look at it. You guys go look it up, I'll start introducing past lives. So... The film starts, I think it says 24 years ago, I want to say. That could be wrong. It In the past. Well, no, sorry. The film starts on a shot of our main character, uh, Nora. Her, um, she's sitting next to two men at this point in the film. We don't know who either of them are. There is a, the Arthur to her left. Sorry, I'm looking at a picture of it, and it's my right. But her left and to her right is Song, And this couple are talking about them trying to figure out you know is it her and her brother there with her husband is it her and her boyfriend there with their tour guide or their friend and then we get the flashback well or the star of the movie it goes back to nora as a child and she's in She's in a sorry Scott just posted the description for Lars and the Real Girl. Do you want to read that one out to the class, Scott? Do I? Yes. I'm assuming that that's who Ryan Gosling plays. Yes. I play somebody that develops a so he's a socially awkward young man who develops a romantic yet non-sexual relationship with an Asomon. Oh, I cannot say that word. Anatomically. Anatomically. Anatomically correct sex doll. <laughs> He's literally you. <laughs> All I've seen is one clip from that film where a girl is like, goes to him, oh yeah, do you want to pick me up later for dinner? And he just goes, okay, and then turns around and sprints away. <laughs> Have you ever done that, Joel? <laughs> no. Well, you to assume I talk to people. <laughs> <laughs> this podcast is my weekly social interaction. <laughs> That's why I was having a real bad time watching Past Lives. I hadn't spoken to anyone in a month. Oh, no. Oh, I, <laughs> I like how I'm saying this as if I don't see you guys near enough every single day at work. I know, it's dreadful. That's not us. That's a different person. Yeah. So, anyway, Past Lives, the film, this podcast is about. That had that started forty minutes ago. Yeah, we should probably speed this up a chunk. So, yeah. Well, I mean, the, the film—it's a short film. It's about an hour forty. Nothing compared to the next two podcasts that we're going to drop. We need to get the tomfoolery out of the way, because we don't have breathing room. But we're talking about two, three and a half hour movies over the next two weeks. That is true. So yes, um, we go back to seeing Nora as a child. Uh, she's in school, and her and who is the young Hae Sung are walking home from school. And 
she's crying and we find out that it's because Heisung did better in a test than her. And he's saying, like, look, you always do better than me. So how do you think it makes me feel that the one time I do better than you, you're so angry, you result in tears? So that kind of cheers her up a little bit. And she goes home. So I know we said we wouldn't do full plot run throughs, so I'm just going to try and keep it to the key parts. But the problem with this film is, since it's short, most of the film is important. It's not got a lot of filler. Um, but yeah, she goes home, uh, found out that she's emigrating, so she goes on a... Her mom wants her to have memories of uh, of Seoul before she leaves, so she goes on a date with Sung, And then there's the scene where they say goodbye, and this is what my first note's on. And I really like the framing of this scene, where you have the two paths. Sung's on the bottom road, and Nora's on the stairs, and it's the it's the two paths, and you can't see them co- connecting again. They don't visibly cross. Mm-hmm. You know, she she's going up, like you know, she's going to America because she wants Canada, sorry, because she wants to become uh, a writer and win prizes. And he's he's staying on the same path, you know, just moving forward with his life, but not not changing. Can I make a note on the date thing? Yes, that felt a bit messed up with the mum. I can, because I can see, of, I can yeah. see both sides. I can see why she did, but at the same time, I know they're kids, and it probably wouldn't be anything. But it still feels a bit harsh, even um, to the, just the other kids. Well, the fact that, like at this point in the film, Hyesung didn't know that she was emigrating. Yeah, it's like yeah, build this connection. We're leaving. Yeah. And then, so then we jump forward about 12 years. Uh, Nora's in New York. She's becoming a playwright and she's speaking to her mom on the phone and they're looking up kind of people that they knew from Korea and she's, she looks up Sung. She finds him and then she sends him a, a message going, hey, it's me. How are you? Because we find he'd been looking for her as well. And then we switch to Korea he still lives there and kind of a, a little bit of dialogue here it's really interesting is the who's messaging you at 3am it's i think it's quite a subtle way of them they never blatantly point out or they never blatantly address the the time difference between korea and america but in a lot of kind of subtle ways like this that's how it's mentioned just to make no, they, sure they do mention it because he asks her what time it is where she's at. Nah, and they, they start arranging like times to wake up together and like, it's, talk. It's like never, oh, you're 12 hours ahead of me kind of thing, you know? Oh, yeah. yeah. Like when he asks her what time it is there, we never get told what time it is with him. It's always like... It's class time. Yeah, <laughs> it's class time. Um, and I think it's quite... Uh, we see... She runs, they have their first Skype call, and I know Kyle messaged me about Skype when he saw this. Oh, yeah, it gave me like flashbacks to my youth. I was just like, Whoa, Skype noises? Where, Scott, are you too young for Skype? No, no, I did, I did use Skype just a couple of times. It was just on the edge of me using stuff. Skype, the speak was better. Yeah, TeamSpeak was. I never used TeamSpeak. I was Skype then. Uh, back in my day, 
didn't have party chats. If you wanted to talk with your mates, you had to talk in the Black Ops 1 lobby chat where everyone oh, else could hear you. Can you have a 360 party? I was on PlayStation 3. Oh, you. PlayStation had parties. Not in, not in PS3, it got introduced in PS4. No, it did have parties. No, it did. This, this is why 360 is superior. There's no way it didn't, because I remember being in parties. We're going to find out that Joel received an extreme amount of unnecessary abuse as a child. <laughs> the PS3 uh, Yeah, it's only in like Oh my god <laughs> Yeah, dude What? <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh, oh no I oh, actually got so much harassment back in the day <laughs> And you're telling me this all could have been a... That's why everyone was so angry! Yeah. Me and my mates were just talking about our days at school. What did you learn? I learned how to add two and two together. Oh, good. That's a good one. Oh, I can imagine that went down well in a card lobby. I got told that a guy was going to come and kill my entire family. Did he do it? That seems no, like the, the lightest stuff. That was good. I remember the day like it was yesterday. It was on Black Ops One. Um I can give you the I can give you the exact map name if you want. Ah, we're good. Let's get back to the film. I've, We've gone on enough tangents already. Sorry, you you shattered my brain. <laughs> there was party oh, chat on the PS3. Oh dear. Why did no one tell me? It's like a hidden feature. Did you, it lo- nah, you can take comfort in the fact that it wasn't just you. It was all your friends as well. None of like- them knew. Wait, it doesn't. Oh, I didn't launch with it. Oh, that'll be why you didn't know. Because I didn't get it on launch. I got it a year after. <laughs> uh. oh, okay. Oh, okay. That, yeah. All I knew was 360, and it did. Oh, no, haha. Yes. Okay, I no longer feel bad. Uh, so there was chat always on the PS3, but it was an application, so you couldn't play games whilst you were in it. What? Yeah. I could have sworn I played Pod um, Zombies, wouldn't it? There's a chat mode, but you can't play any games, and you have to stay on that screen. Weird. That's really weird. What the hell? It's um, because of memory restrictions. They did not have enough dedicated wham. Oh. (laughs) Oh my days. So the PS3 had a whopping 256 megabytes of RAM. System RAM and 256 megabytes of video RAM. Uh, when when a game uses some RAM, it keeps it until the game's closed. That makes sense for so, consoles. Um, so if like the game spiked when it loaded up, it just would never give it back. 360. Oh. The 360 was the same with the original ones, but they increased it to 512. 
which is still by today's standards just seems so low. <laughs> my watch has more. My and watch has like five times. Some of the games running on those bad boys. I was playing the 360 over New Year. Good console. Good and some good old Modern Warfare 2. What's banging? Honest, I'm most overrated card though. Two? Yeah. I have to say, the uh, console auto aim has certainly improved since then. Oh, yeah. Even going to three, three was a big step up from two. We also played that. Did you play the best card though? Which would that be? Black Ops 2. Black Ops 2. The best card. No, I don't have Black Ops 2. I have Black Ops 1, but I don't have the DLC for it anymore. Which is, like, let's be honest. You don't have Black Ops 2! No, no. You tell me you never played Buried. No, I did play it. I just went to my mate's house every single time. (laughs) Tell me you weren't drop-shotting around corners with the MSMC. Fast Mag Suppressor. Oh. Longer range maps, you pop a long barrel foregrip instead. Basically every single weekend I went to my friend's house and we played games. So I didn't have that stuff. <laughs> Bros, the Black Ops 2 leech. <laughs> Mostly played zombies, I'll be honest. Good old transit. Good old transit. I There's a video on one of my friend's phones of Black Ops 2's release day. I all my mates came around and we were playing it, and there's lots of screams of fear when I ran into the fog and then a denizen started chasing me. And then into the fog because the game just came out, I didn't know what it was doing. And then we got on the bus and I turned around and I saw the way the zombies were moving. Those boys are sprinting. Anyway, so yeah. Nora and Heisung start Skyping, and we get kind of a montage here of them going back and forth, having their Skype calls, and as we said, there's like kind of short little hints at the time difference. We'll have voiceover scenes where it'll have a New York skyline at night, and then it'll switch to Seoul, where it's bright. But then we kind of get a bit of a a bit of a sad deterioration in their in their in their online friendship where start to see some network issues which anyone familiar with Skype knows all about. And you know, there's yep. Nora sleeping in by accident. There's connection issues, stuff like that. And we find out that Heisung's going to China to learn how to speak Mandarin. Then uh, Nora asks him, oh, why don't you come to New York? And she hits her with a, why would I go to New York? The fool. That's like one of them ones. Wrong answer. He woke up like a year later, 3 a.m. Just woke up. Realized what she meant. Um, So yeah, and then she asks her about coming to Seoul and then she hits in the same why would I go to Seoul? And it's, you know, they're both kind of progressing with their careers. He needs to go to learn Mandarin because he said it would be really helpful with his career. She's going to 
a place that they filmed the eternal sunshine of the spotless mind I can't remember what it was called is based and so she does she can't go to Seoul and that's where they kind of have this realization that it's gonna be about a year until it's fathomable for either one of them to to meet again so she decides that she doesn't want to speak to Song anymore she wants to take a break because she's trying to work on her career but all she can think about is going to Seoul to meet him and it's quite a sad scene this one do you boys want to chime in with your your feelings here from the start of that conversation <laughs> you could you, you know where it's going yeah yeah it's not a fun one um your uh, your exhale there very much summed up how I felt. Yeah, the line of dialogue where he's got tears in his eyes, where he says, "It took me twelve years to find my friend." That oh. that's a hard line. Yeah, that <sighs> one's a little heavy. Yeah, I think the actor he performs the scene perfectly. You can you can see the pain. In his in his face when he's delivering that line, and you know it must have been quite hard to film these scenes because you're not acting against anyone. You know, yeah. you're, you're pretending to be on a video call. I think I'll leave it at my sigh. Yeah, it's... And then when uh, when she apologizes for to him, he says, "Why are you sorry? Were we dating or something?" And then there's quite like a long silence there. Which I think kind of highlights that, that there's a bit like of ambiguity of what they actually were to each other in this time. Situationship. Yeah, like <sighs> because obviously when they when they left originally when she left Seoul, they were dating, and then they're boning each other daily at this point, you know, and I think that kind of silence there indicates that maybe I think both of them were hoping it was something a bit a bit more but none of them are able to go to meet the other person mm-hmm. and then uh, we see Nora go and go to her writing placement where she meets Arthur and uh, she talks about uh, I really don't know if I'm going to be pronouncing this correctly In Young. Yeah, I think you got that right. Yeah, I think you got that right. Ho ho! And effectively, it's any contact that you have with a person during your lifetime, mainly in terms of relationship, is an inyong. And when someone gets married, it's said to be the effect of eight thousand lifetimes of this inyong. So she uses the example of if you walk down the street and bump into someone, that's inyong. I pronounced it different every time I said it there. You do. Your first one was like bang on in my eyes, but I don't speak Korean. It's just based on what I've heard. I mean, if I keep on trying, one time will be right. I think it's best just to leave it where you have, where you are. Yeah. I don't think I need to say it again. (laughs) So yeah, we see that and then they they kiss and 
it's insinuate that maybe do they do a little bit more? That's not sure. A little bit of a shenanigans. This is a twelve. This is fun for all the family. Get get the family around. Watch it together. I'm sure everyone <laughs> will love it. And then we we also see uh, Hei Sung, and he's having a little moment with a with a woman at the restaurant. So it's you know it's in this point you're thinking okay they realize they can't be with each other, but it's looking positive that you know maybe they're both gonna find someone else. So then we take another twelve years time skip, I think. Yes, because it was twenty four back originally, and that's yes. twelve and twelve. Yeah. So we take this next time skip, and we see uh, Nora and Arthur in an airport. They say they've just been visiting her family up in Canada, and that's when we find out that they're married. And I want to say that. Arthur is such an incredibly well-written character in this movie. They reference it himself. About how, like, in kind of a lot of films like this, I think this is the feeling, correct me if I'm wrong, that you were getting at the start of the film, Kyle, that he would be the, and the exact quote is, evil white husband in the way of destiny, you know? And that it would be, the viewer doesn't like him because they want Hey Sung and yeah. Nora to end up together, but they just write him and his relationship with Nora so well that you don't see it that way. You see it as no, she is with the right person for her. Mm-hmm. And I know, I think because you'd said you noticed the wedding ring in the very first scene and thought the film was going to be. I take it, did you think the film was going a bit different? No, what I expected from the film was that I expected her to hide the fact that she was married and catch feelings for her childhood friend Um, and then for it to just become like a weird three-way romance like what are they called? Love triangle. Mm -hmm. Um, But it didn't really go that way but it kind of did. She didn't hide away the fact that she was married. So I was kind of wrong. So yeah, um, Hae-sung comes over and we find out that him and his girlfriend are on a break because they're about to get they were talking about marriage and he says it's because since he's an only son he needs to you know, earn a lot of money and be better but he thinks he's too ordinary and stuff like that. I do think there's this kind of thing in his mind, though, holding him back that he he never stopped thinking about Nora, you know. Mm-hmm. And in I think the the whole point of his trip here, I don't think it was to try and steal her. I I mean that's a bad phrase. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It, it I don't think the point of his trip was to think that he was going to go over there, she was going to realise she was in love with him, and then he'd end their marriage and they'd get together. I think it was just he's trying to close this chapter of his life off. Yeah, I think it was to give them both closure. Uh, closure. Yeah. You, yeah, and you definitely see a lot of that towards the back half here. That It's them realising that they're not the people they were when they were kids. Yeah. So 
we then kind of get this scene after the first day of them being together again, back at the house where, as Nora said, Arthur has a right to. He feels a bit strange because Nora at this point has figured out that Heisung is just here to see her. And he says that he feels he doesn't he feels bad he doesn't like that he feels bad about Heisung seeing Nora. Like he's able to identify that that yeah, he feels uncomfortable but he knows he shouldn't. And he feels bad that he feels uncomfortable. I think that's he's just in, he's in a very difficult situation. Yeah, but I think yeah. him being so aware of his own feelings again makes him such so much more of a likable character and it helps steer the audience away of just wanting the ending where the two childhood sweethearts end up together yeah and that you get heartwarming line here of the um you make my life so much bigger and i'm wondering if i do the same for you that's a really heavy line. Yeah. And I think we kind of we learn a lot about Arthur and Nora in this scene. Because they're having the conversation of him saying like, well, what if it was a different person that you met at the artist residency? And he's just like, what if it was this? What if it was this? And she's like, but that's not what happened. This is my life. And I love you. He, she is very content that this is what's happened and she's happy with that outcome. Whereas he's just thinking, what if this happened differently? Would I still be in the place I am? Stuck in the hypothetical. Yeah. Moments. And I think it does link back to that idea of Inyong, where she can say yes this is how this life plays out i love this man and maybe in a different life something different would happen but i'm not going to focus on that whereas he's can't stop thinking about that you boys well, he, he was in a tricky situation where he had to be very careful with what he did because otherwise it would be a bit dodgy because you can't just well he wouldn't be able to just tell her oh i don't want you to go see this person um but also there is like the risk as he mentioned of him just stealing her away mm -hmm. yeah so i think he did everything correctly um but it's just very and i think it's just a highlight of the writing in this film again with this scene of the maturity of the relationship and how well that's written of her saying, well, no, you would have a, you, you completely write in every way to feel like that, but I love you and I'm not going to run away with him. You know, she's not, I'm, she's not diminishing what he's feeling. No, she's, she sees like, I can understand why you would feel this, but just know I'm not going to do this because I love you. Whereas, like, a lot of other films would have played it off for cheap drama. 
Yeah. Yeah. It, it's a very realistic film, I'd say. It doesn't try and over dramatize anything. It go it Well, I I mean I've never been in this situation, so I can't really speak on the the realisticness of it. But if it's not over dramatized like a lot of films in this kind of love triangular genre can be. Um Yeah. Um <laughs> Do you want to speak first on this one, Kyle? I think it's safe to say that in those horrible situations, it can get dramatic very quickly. Um, it's not just films and movies, or yeah. films and shows playing it up. It does go that way sometimes. Emotions are high, stakes are high. Yeah, it's a high-stress environment, and it becomes less of a oh, it's me and my partner versus the problem, it becomes more of a whichever like whichever side of it starts viewing the other person as the problem. Um, so it just gets messy and difficult and there's no real easy way to deal with it because neither parties are communicating correctly. Because emotions are high. Yeah. Okay. But the way they did it in the movie is they communicated and it was like textbook perfect communication. He didn't feel right about something, he told her about it, he wasn't restricting her in any way, he was just laying out how he felt on the table for her to view. And she didn't like turn and say, oh yeah, you're not allowed to feel this way, or like, why are you feeling this way? It was very much, okay, well, I'm going to reassure him that I'm not going to leave. It's how you'd like it to be handled in real life. Um, yeah, it's and, it's how it should be done. And he's very apologetic for the way he feels, and but she's also very apologetic for the fact that he feels that he he's in a difficult situation. He's just in a very very yeah, hard situation. But she can see that, and she's yeah. there to reassure him. And it does just show it. A lot of it is just about how strong their relationship is. I think it is at the end of the day to make sure that no one's going into this film expecting this last half hour to play out that she's going to go back to her childhood sweetheart. Because that's never the been the point of the film. Yeah. Painfully well done. <laughs> it's the only way I can put it. It's painfully well done. Yep. So we then kind of move on to their their final day together. And uh, it starts off where they go to see the Statue of Liberty. And I quite like this scene here because he asks her, has she eaten? When she says no, he has food for her. I thought that was quite a nice callback to earlier in the film when they're on their first Skype call together. He finds out it's midnight and, it, and she's not eaten. So it just really felt like... <laughs> You know, he he rem he remembered that. We are not the same person. <laughs> I was about to say, I bet anyone at Kyle, have you had dinner yet? Uh, <laughs> mate, I haven't had breakfast. Oh my god! Wait, have you eaten today? Uh, <laughs> it's eight p.m. I'm not hungry. <laughs> I've had like three meals. I'll probably have something when we're done. What? When did you last eat? Uh, four in the morning. Oh my god! 
What were you doing up at four in the morning? Uh, I was making chicken nuggets. Oh <laughs> I got up at probably like eleven. I ate. I ate at like mid afternoon. I ate an hour or two ago, and I will eat again. I don't know how you can do that. I was asleep for two hours when you had woke oh up. God. I woke up at like nine. <laughs> oh my god. We're all just built different. I woke up at nine and had some brekkie. And then I had lunch at like mid afternoon. And then I had tea and like an hour ago. You're a creature. <laughs> <laughs> That's so mean. I He's don't. Right, I though. think it does need to be mean because it's not healthy to have that eating that. You need to eat. This has stopped being a podcast. This is an intervention. We need in to get. Fairness, uh, in all fairness, I ate a ton yesterday. Yeah, but what do you consider a ton? A ton's uh... probably like one of our meals. Oh, yeah, I ate a ton yesterday. I had two slices of toast. I had two uh, chicken it was, nuggets. It was three meals, mate. That's a normal <laughs> amount of food. <laughs> I eat three meals every day. Yes. <laughs> I don't you've seen how much Scott eats. You'll have his, you'll have his like My lunch is like your daily consumption of food. Yes, but uh, you forget to like mention you are built different. Pot's lunch lasts from like 12 o'clock to 5pm. He just has, he's just constantly nibbling. Oh, that, that's not including, I wasn't including that, but yeah, I do also just constantly. <laughs> he goes over lunch and he'll get his, he'll get his meal deal and he'll come back with eight parts of chocolate. See, the thing is, is I don't eat much, but I also don't lose weight, nor do I gain weight. You have so no fun. weight to lose. Yeah, I do. I have plenty of weight to lose. I have been I'm... far skinnier than this. I'm honestly surprised you stayed on island with all the wind. <laughs> <laughs> now, see, the thing is, is I was always indoors. Oh, that makes sense. <laughs> you walked <laughs> your commute to where it was just walking outside, pointing your jacket in the direction you needed to go, and then just <laughs> taking a real big jump. <laughs> just pray. <laughs> Lying around like Batman. <laughs> Do we want to get back to the podcast on a movie, not Kyle's eating habits? to eat very little. Yeah, sorry about that, Kyle. Uh, <laughs> please eat better, though. Just eat, no, I'm eating eat. fine. Don't worry. Please eat. Uh, so, yes. They have their day. It's very nice. They go back to Nora's house, and she introduces him to her husband, and they have a little chat. Her husband speaks Korean. Not, he admittedly says not very well. But I think even Sung's quite surprised by the extent of his Korean. And earlier in the film, though, we learn it's because uh, Nora dreams in Korean. And he just... He, he doesn't like that he can't understand her in her dreams. 
and I don't, I don't think I'm explaining that well because that sounds. No, you're not. That, no, that, that sounds bad. That makes it sound like toxic and controlling, but it's it's very in this. It's a sweet way. It's very sweet. Yeah, yeah, it's like he wishes he could understand her more. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I described that. You, really you, <laughs> you did. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Arthur. You, I love you. You're a great character. I did not mean to put any disrespect onto your name. Um, so yeah, they go out for dinner, and the dinner scene's quite short. We don't really get much here, but then we get the kind of the main point of the movie here is is at this bar, and oh boy, is this a scene and a half? I don't know. Do you do you want to introduce it a bit, Kyle? Well, essentially how it goes off is that they're sitting at the bar. Bartender's doing his usual jazz, that's fine. Um, but we've got Arthur on the like, one side. Um, we've got... I've forgotten her name. I know her last name's Nora. Mary. Nora. We've got Nora in the middle and then Childhood Sweetheart on the other side. Thank you. Um... But what's going down is essentially Nora's translating for Arthur as they're speaking in Korean because Sung doesn't know a whole lot of English. Um, but as the conversation progresses, she kind of stops translating for Arthur. Um, and, she, and they just have their own little yeah. conversation together. She also kind of starts cutting sentences short as well. Yeah. She, it's she's holding back. She heavily paraphrases, and then yeah, it does kind of turn into this close conversation between the two of them, which is the the conversation that you saw at the very beginning of the film, where Arthur's not involved in any way, and it's Nora and Sung speaking, and here is. Where I'm trying to think of the best way to describe this. He Hey Sung effectively says that he's very happy that she left Korea. And he says that Korea wasn't big enough for her, I think, is it? Yeah. 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 And for he her goes on mission, to, basically. Yes. And he goes on to say that you know, he he thought he was in love with her, but he's not. He is in love with a different version of her. Effectively, he's in love with the the Nora he knew as a child. The memory. Yes, but that and, and as he says, that is a person who leaves. But this Nora is a person who stays, and that's perfect for her and Arthur. But that's completely different to the to the person that he loved. And that's when Nora says that she left that little girl there with him. And then, oh boy, do we get a line and a half here. Where Haesung says, I didn't know that liking your husband would hurt this much. Which is a line. It's a line indeed. It, yeah. it, it took the wind out of me the first time I heard it. I think it's him kind of saying that he wishes that he hated him so that he could kind of feel justified in the fact that he wishes that she was with him, but since he likes him, 
he he can't justify the way he feels. Yeah. And then they talk about their past lives here and how what they could have meant to each other before. And then after that, Nora goes off to the toilet while Arthur pays for the bill and uh, him and Arthur have a little conversation where he says he apologizes for leaving him out and that he'll, he'll try and speak in English for the rest of the evening and then Arthur says that it looks no problem at all, you've not seen each other in 24 years and then he says, I'm really glad you came here, it was the right thing to do this leads me to believe I think that Arthur could understand quite a yeah, throughout the entire thing, I was questioning how much can he understand. And I, yeah, and I think that line because there's a big I, difference between understanding language and speaking it. Yeah. So I, yeah, I think he, I uh, think he understood at least the general thing of I thought I loved you, but I don't. I love this version of you that doesn't exist anymore, and I've finally come to terms with that. Yeah. And I think he's saying that I'm glad you got this out because it was obviously it was stopping Hei Sung from moving forward with his life and I think in a way it was holding Nora back slightly as well. Not It was affecting Hei Sung in the sense that it was affecting his relationship with his girlfriend mm-hmm. or girlfriend at the time. So it's good that they both got closure. Yes. Yeah, because like for for uh, for Nora, it's not negatively impacting her life, but it is still something that's just been left there, you know. Which is it's nice for her to kind of get that closure. Yeah, yeah, she can let go. Yes, and then uh, so we see the they go back to the apartment, and he Heisung orders a taxi home, and Nora decides to walk him to the Uber. I think here they they I think they both know here this is most likely the last time they're ever gonna see each other. Cause there's they just they stand there in silence and I think it's that they they don't know what to say, you know? And then they only start talking to each other once the taxi gets there. And they kind of they recreate the the scene. From the very beginning of the movie, where he's standing there and he says, Hey, and she goes, What? and he just says, Bye. He doesn't just say bye this time. Well, no, after that, they have a what do you think we could have meant to each other before? And that's when they say, like, Maybe they were something incredibly close, and maybe they will again in the future, but that's not what they are to each other this life. And then I think um, he the taxi then leaves, and I I like the framing here again. It's uh, very similar to the beginning of the film because he's moving forward with his life. You know, he's the taxi goes away from Nora. It's him, I think, moving moving on and with his life. And then she goes back, but not in a negative sense. It's her going back to her husband. And then yeah. when when 
she gets to the front door, he's there on the steps waiting for her, and she breaks down into tears because I think they both knew that, as I said, that was the last time they're likely gonna see each other. And Arthur knew that she was gonna need somebody, and that's why he was out there waiting for her. Yeah. Do you have any opinions on that one, boys? Yeah, I'm not going to watch this film again. <laughs> no, I can't. I was, one well, thing I quite... I feel like... I know you boys both said you're never going to watch it again. It gave me quite a different view of the film watching it for a second time. The first time I watched it, I thought that Arthur was out on that step because he wasn't sure that Nora was going to come back. But upon watching it again, it's not that. he's He knows she's coming back. He just knows that she's going to need his support because of what's just happened, effectively. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <sighs> I think with this movie, it's yeah, you probably get more insight on the second watch. However, I don't think it's a movie I could give a second watch. I think it would lose its magic in that sense. I can see that. Because a lot of the film is not knowing what's going to happen. Yeah. I also think like I wouldn't feel the same watching it the second time, but I'd like to be able to look back on this movie and be like, yeah, that like killed me. Yeah. <laughs> it's like La La Land. I've not been able to watch La La Land again. I've watched and, La La Land so many times. <sighs> and I don't know if I'll ever be able to go back to it again. But it's like, yeah, the time would, and place for watching that. I would like I to go think. back to that at some point, but Oh, we'd, we're definitely doing a podcast episode on La La Land. God, okay, I didn't mean this soon. No, <laughs> not, like, not in the near future, but in a bit. Next year, next year. <laughs> next year, good. I think, I, yeah, I do see what you mean about it losing kind of some of its magic. Because I think quite a key part of the film, especially in the back, back half and third, is you as a viewer as well accepting that they're not meant for each other. Yeah. And I think, like, for example, Whiplash, I would happily watch Whiplash again. But the difference there is that even if you know the ending to Whiplash, it doesn't remove the the intensity. Yeah, Yeah. it's the intensity, the anxiety, and the Whiplash of it all. (laughs) This film takes you on a, a journey yourself. Yeah. And I think it's a journey that for some people, yeah, they can like go through that multiple times, but for me personally, it's only once. And I think that's completely fair. Do you have anything to say on the the end in there, Scott? Before we go into more kind of no, horror? not really. I think I've said enough pain wise. Yeah, I think one thing. <laughs> I think I I would be interesting to see how this film would be for someone that hasn't had any experience close to what this film's about. Because while nowhere near the extent of what happened in this film, like when I was younger, I did kind of 
completely move away and I lost contact with all my friends from my my primary school. Mm-hmm. And like I I have tried now looking out, but I was like eight when I left. I don't think I knew a single one of my friends' second names back in the day. <laughs> I was a I was eight. I was playing Transformers 2 Revenge of the Fallen on the PS2. <laughs> but like kind of no, obviously not to the extent of the relationship that Sung has with Nora but it still kind of brung that feeling of the I wish I hadn't lost contact with some of these people because they were great friends and I I think that does help the film when you can kind of relate to that and I don't know what effect it would have on a viewing if you couldn't relate in that sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it would be a weird viewing. Yeah. I suppose, though, everyone has, like, someone in their life that they wish they kept in contact with. One, one reason or another, you know? Anyway, uh, yes. I th- I think the boys are all sad. A little bit. Yeah, <laughs> it's a Sunday night. We need to. It's a Sunday. This is not the day to be watching that film. But well. <laughs> so yeah, uh, I think we are about ready to close up here. Mm-hmm. If yep. unless anyone have any remarks they want to make on the film uh, ratings. Out of five. What are we doing out of five? Skype calls out of five. Skype logos out of five. Yes, Skypes. I mean, I I get the feeling it's going to be pretty unanimous here. I'm going to go at four and a half. I'm sorry to break the fives. Fair enough. I'm going to guys five Skype calls out of five for me. Five out of five for me. It made me feel shit, so... I think, yeah, when any film can kind of make you feel as much as this film can, it's it's doing its job correctly. I I like both of the other films that we're going to be talking about for the wrap-up. The 2023 in review kind of trilogy of episodes. But... Like Oppenheimer, kind of, but none of them made me feel as much as this film made me feel. Oppenheimer's a very different feel. Yeah, Oppenheimer. A... At the end of it, I was like, that was a visually stunning movie. But this, at the end of it, had me. I think I like. I went downstairs and just lay in bed with headphones on for about two hours, just pondering. <laughs> nah, I just, nothing, just pondering, you know? Just letting the vibes do their thing. I was listening to some Spanish love songs, I was just lying down. Sound all just normal, though. <laughs> Extra loud, though. <laughs> Extra loud. I was lying down, I was like, damn. That was an experience. Oh, no. 
Anyway, uh, yeah, so next week we will be at you with Oppenheimer. I don't know how that one's going to go. These next two are going to are interesting to me because every film we've done for the podcast has been like a clean hour 30 to two hours max. Like, we haven't dived into the kind of we're gonna, go into, we're gonna go into Gladiator at some point as well, and that's gonna okay. be another three hours. I don't want to say obnoxiously long cinema, but like these are obviously films that are a lot more passion projecty. You know, the director had a vision, and he wasn't holding back just for time constraints. And I, I, Christopher Nolan was holding back. He wanted to detonate a real nuke. I. I I swear I heard something about an extended edition of Oppenheimer. Oh, God. I hope that's not right. I'm really excited to see if... Uh, no, uh, there's no deleted scenes for Oppenheimer. That is exactly what he wanted the movie to be. Okay. Go. Um, I'm really excited to see what Kyle thinks about Oppenheimer. Because we've obviously had conversations with a few people about Oppenheimer, Scott. Um, I'm thinking of some some shouty words that were exchanged after the group viewing. Oh, where, where oh I forgot that, about that. <laughs> uh, the, the main complaint that some people have had is that the film should have been in chronological order. The only I th- thing I know about Oppenheimer is a meme where it just says, find you a girl who watched Oppenheimer and becomes your Sloppenheimer. Oh, not... <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, That's all uh... I know about Oppenheimer. Oh, dear. It's a bomb. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, the film... Well, yeah, it doesn't take place chronologically. It jumps around a lot, but it, in my opinion, incredibly... It makes it better. The plot. Yeah. It's because not... the, the film would be mind-numbingly boring. Th- th- this isn't an Oppenheimer review. Save it for next week. I know, but like, could you just imagine if the film was in chronological order? It would be like a half hour of him being a teacher. And then, like, bomb! And then, like, just politics. How long on the court scene? How long would we just be <laughs> you sat there for like in two the hours? <laughs> like, that's most of the movie. Is those two seat? Is those two sections? <laughs> just oh. but yeah, I love Oppenheimer, man. It's so good. Okay. I don't know if you boys want to quickly fire off a top five of twenty twenty three. Absolutely not. I'm not prepared for that. Okay, right. I'm not prepared. You're the only one that's ever prepared for any of these shotgun moments. <laughs> Give right us then. like a month of a notice. I'm not giving like... you a month. Next week, we record in four days. You have four days, boys, to pick your top five of 2023. Is this came out or watched in? Uh, I would... need to be watched. I will say came out, but I know who'd... Kyle's definitely not watched five. Movies. I thought you know if I fi- watched five movies that come out. <laughs> yeah, like it would. Have or to I be, might have watched uh, five. <laughs> yeah, it will have to be watched because you're the only one, Joel, that actually watches movies regularly. As Whereas, they come out, at least. Yeah, as 
for myself and Scott, well, uh, not so much. We're perfectly qualified to be on a movie podcast. I watched 326 films last year. So the podcast should be renamed to Two Movie... Uh, no, Two Idiots in an Addict. And a movie. Okay. <laughs> okay. You're, you watch will... way too mo- many movies, man. No, I don't. I yes, you do. In that book. I don't watch too many. Yes, you do. You watched how many? 300 and something? 26, yeah. That's nearly a movie a day. A lot of those, there's like some short films in there. Uh huh. And, and a lot of them were with friends. Uh huh. A good chunk of them were like, not yet. I watched all the Saw movies. Uh huh. I watched all the Rocky movies. Yep. Barbie's in there three times. <laughs> <laughs> Silence from the man. <laughs> Scott, you're just not funny. <laughs> Kyle enjoyed it. Do you want to say your joke that. out loud? No, no, no. No, come on, the viewers at home no, will be wondering what don't. the joke was. No, no, no. We can leave them, leave them waiting. No, Scott said we should name the podcast Two Idiots and a Dick. No, no, no. Well, Kyle said two, 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 two movies and an addict. Two movies and an addict. But it should just be two movies and a dick. Ow. Ow. You hurt his feelings. I hurt no, his I, feelings. I hurt my neck. Oh, at least you didn't nearly like break your knee again like you did on Friday. Oh yeah, my knee still hurts, by the way. What did you like, do? I don't know, because when I got up after we were playing, I just like collapsed and I was like, oh shit. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're in a we're in a Valor ranked game. Scott. No, no, it was risk of rain. Sorry, a risk of rain run. This is after we lost Valo, and I was like, I haven't played this for a little while. <laughs> yeah. Rage, and then Kyle but... just starts screaming in pain, and he's like, I think I broke my knee. What did you do? Um, How brutal I don't know. your bones have to be? Well, because I was sitting with my legs crossed, and essentially, like, I was using my left leg to push the kneecap on my right leg just because like, it felt nice at the time. And then I felt a pop, and I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> so you pushed your kneecap out? Um, no, because it just hurt a lot, and then like <laughs> it felt fine afterwards, and then when I stood up, I fell over. How is it now? Uh, it's still a little bit sore, but yeah, it's so not you like, popped that your bad. kneecap out. No, nah, it's in place. It's in socket. We're all good. I am just realizing how many absolute bangers I watched for the first time this year. I watched Whiplash for the first time this year. So, I'm trying to think of the number of films I've watched this year, and I cannot... That's why you all use Letterboxd. i got Kyle on it now. I think I have two movies on it. Maybe Kyle, three. Kyle no, wrote, I downvoted uh, Pan Manda. Kyle wrote a review for Kung Fu Panda 3, and James oh. nearly punched him. Oh nah, I'll read it out because I feel like the viewers deserve this. And I feel like we're never watching Kung Fu Panda free on the podcast. Yeah. You uh, can do your uh, you can do your nun two one because I'm never watching that film again as well. So oh, I'll Kyle, start with the nun two. This is Kyle's high quality film reviews. 
Oh, come on. Why is it not loading? There we go. So for The Nun 2, this is quite a short one. It was, um, disappointment is an understatement. Cheap jump scares, sliver of a plot, painful ending. Let me just see what I wrote. <laughs> that is a scathing review. <laughs> what was my review? Well, the thing is, he gave it how, one and a half stars, was it? Uh, I gave it two. I gave it half a star. I gave it two purely for the like the religious aspect in it, where it was actually kind of interesting. I just wrote, I'm honestly impressed that they actually managed to make this worse than the original somehow. The ending was laughably dumb. Not worth the hour and 50 minutes. Yeah. You want to know how they ended the film, Scott? They sure. turned a cellar full of wine into the blood of Christ. And then burst all the wine cases, and then the demon got burnt. Oh. Hey, yeah. Um, sure. Yeah. Now let's hear this Kung Fu Panda 2 free review. So, <laughs> keep in mind, I posted this almost instantly after I had watched the movie because I got mad at it. He still um, gave it a 2.5. Still gave it a 2.5, though. Um... So it lacks the seriousness and wow factor that the previous movies had. The constant jokes during serious moments became stale as the movie went on. Even the final fight was more of a comedic skit than anything. For, sure, uh, for kids, sure, this movie has flashy colours and cute nonsense going on. But as an, uh, as an adult viewer, it was difficult to care about anything within the movie, whereas in the previous two movies there was far less haha funny panda do silly one-liner and they were fantastic movies to watch. I'd recommend this movie for younger viewers, but nobody else really. I am aware that this is the target audience for this, however. You are not the target demographic. Well, no, because the previous two movies, they had their serious moments, and they weren't like watered down with like stupid one-liners. Or like... Nah, I know how you feel. I watched Good Burger 2 over Christmas. It was no Good Burger 1. It's just, it's annoying when they do this. Oh, I just it's remembered annoying. one of my top movies for this year. What Guardians of the though? Galaxy 3. Is it any good? Oh, it's very good. Eh. Oh, I liked oh. it. Oh, I liked it. Like, it was good, but... No, I really liked it. <laughs> I just I'm so fatigued with superhero movies. Oh, I haven't watched that many recently, so I'm like, probably not that bad. It it was good, but I think I've watched so many that I've got to the point where I can very clearly see the patterns and that Marvel movies follow an exact formula every time. I liked it. Semi-emotional moment, funny one-liner. Followed by more emotional moment. Followed by, at least it's never going to be as bad as Love and Thunder, which actually had Thor say the line, he's behind me, isn't he? I've not watched that he one. He says he's it was behind crap, me, isn't and he? And I was, I was like, yeah. They no. have Christian Bale play Gore the God Butcher, and he kills one god! And that's before he even becomes... Oh, they wasted Christian Bale. They wasted it. <laughs> Do we want to round this out, though, given we've yeah. completely gone off topic on 
So, sorry, I could I could speak about my disdain for superhero movies. Superheroes, yeah. They should yeah. have ended after the first Avengers. That's when it peaked. Anywho, anyhow. Yeah. Well, I hope you enjoyed our first episode of the year. Finally back. Try and keep a see how many in a row we can actually post. Hopefully, a good few. <laughs> I think we got to like a solid. We did do a solid number. Um, I don't know how many of those were solidly done by me. <laughs> That's I'm thinking is we we try our best not to have one without Scott this year. This year, yeah. You know the rate that I keel over. <laughs> we'll still get you in. You can just mute your mic when you just need to go. Corpse. Please in the do not keel over. Yeah, I know no, it. It would no promises. It would be quite a pain to have to redesign the logo. <laughs> we got it printed on mugs now. We'd have on mugs. We'd have to get another, a second, a, another idiot. And, like they, they'd also need to. Yeah, have, we'd just have watched nothing. Have watched like only. Tr- we'd have to actually find someone else that appreciates Tron Legacy. <laughs> And that's gonna that'd be that, that's a challenge. <laughs> yeah. uh, Find must... someone that appreciates a shit movie. Jesus. Oh okay. I we need a special occasion for the Tron Legacy review. <sighs> wait, 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 wait. I may have the perfect occasion. Oh god. I'm just looking at the review now, and I forgot how much I wrote. Yeah, Kyle wrote eight <laughs> paragraphs. On you went a bit over the top on that one. How much he disliked Tron Legacy. Um, we'll do it around Scott's birthday, since he loves the film so much. Okay. I can sum up the review very easily. Um, this movie is a long, awkward break in the story with dramatic music and cool visual shots. That's all you need. I actually quite liked it. Yeah, but you also have shit taste. <laughs> well, see, Kyle, here, right? as the resident Pan Man fan, exactly. I clearly am the only one here with good taste. <laughs> now, see, Kyle, I'm just noticing two things this episode. Yes. You said American Psycho was ass, and you said Tron Legacy was ass. Look, oh. I'm not saying that maybe me and Scott are the. the the better opinion holders here, but but uh, American Psycho is more enjoyable than Tron Legacy. Oh, that's true. But oh watching... dear, nah, that's. I, Would I you do. rather watch Tron or Pan Man, though, Joel? I'd rather watch Pan Man, to be honest, because oh, Pan. Pa... Look, I'll say <laughs> this: of course, Tron Legacy is technically a better movie. But Pan Man is so, so much more enjoyable. See, if we compare budgets... No, oh, don't do that. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to okay, know how yeah. much that film <laughs> costs. It probably costs, like... It would probably be cheaper to make Pan Man than it would be to write, get the right... 170 million US dollars. 170 million. Pan Man. It made 400, but that's... What is it? It's like double the double the budget, and you'll include the marketing, basically. So yeah, 
it's not made a lot. It's made 60 mil. <sighs> at most. At the very most, apparently, Panman's budget was 300k. The budget is estimated to be between 0 and 0. 0.3 million. I so like these Google ratings. The Google ratings for this are good. Nah, I'm going to say 20 like twenty quid. How much is a pan? Like a tenner? Yeah, so I'd probably have to buy like a second pan in case the first one got damaged. I don't know where Google's pulling these reviews from. I wish I could claim that that's what everybody says, but it's not. Is that for Tron? <laughs> that's for Tron Legacy. Uh, you know what? I, I feel quite comfortable with letterbox reviews, so let me go check Tron Legacy. It's like a 2.4. <laughs> Tron yeah, Legacy. Rotten Tomatoes not happy with it either. Uh, 3.1. As a 3.1. I gave it a solid uh, a solid three and a half on there. Oh, listen to this review. I can't believe Disney spent $170 million on a Daft Punk music video. <laughs> I can disagree, but it is half Daft Wait, nah, nah, can't be, can't be letting him drop some slander on that without getting up the Panman. Actually, Panman has sick reviews on Letterboxd. Yeah, boy. they're all Kyle. It has a nine-seven <laughs> five-star reviews. How many of those uh, are you, Kyle? Uh, one of them, I think. <laughs> yeah, I am one. Telling my kids Gordon Ramsay was Panman. That's a good review. That's not a pan. It's a pot. One and a half star reviews. Benji Sutherland, I will find you. Jeez, you call him out like that. Well, it's his review name, so. I mean, he's one of 17. He's probably not that hard to find, is it? Uh, right, oh, he watched The Seventh Seal. He gave it a pretty decent review. Okay, he's redeemed himself. I found a review here that just says, honestly, with how god-awful this movie is, why is Pan-Man kinda dot 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 dot? Now that was Kyle. I mean... <laughs> but no, it's actually not Kyle. Kyle would never say the movie's god-awful. <laughs> this, is, this movie is porn-level bad, and I think I'd actually recommend basically everyone to watch it. On, it's, it's an exciting view. It's brilliant. Half brilliant and half fucking terrible, so I love this slasher slash superhero spoof way too much. You know, I feel like if we're getting slanderous reviews for your two favourite movies, let's, let's see if I can find something slanderous for Soho. <laughs> oh god. Uh, <laughs> Owen Film says, this is my Morbius. I watched Morbius, and I don't... My experience with Morpheus is I was watching it, I was like, you know what, this ain't bad. And then I needed to go to the toilet. And then I came back, and the film was just dreadful. So I don't know what happened. But evidently something, something happened when I was in the toilet. Mm -hmm. That that sounds bad. I only heard like the last part of that. Because my audio cut out. The film was really good until I went to the toilet, and when I came back, it was suddenly like really bad. So I oh. don't know if like me watching TikToks on the toilet, like 
factory reset my brain. Um, to be fair, this was possibly. like peak Binley Mega Chippy days. So I watched like five Binley Mega Chippy videos, went back and finished Morbius. As far as I'm aware, Morbius is just a bad movie. Yeah. What film are these reviews for? Last Night in Soho. Bruh. <laughs> Those are some intriguing reviews. These Should are have some. Turned it off after the 25th running down the street scene. I can't think that there's that many scenes of her running down the street. I haven't watched I can't review. Ha, ah, Mr. Tim L here learning about color. Why do they use the same colors the whole time? You mean the style? Sky like I'm is just, blue. I'm just Why sending these to blue? get you annoyed at people. No, I'm not. I'm honestly, I can see like I can accept criticisms where it makes sense. But <laughs> you saying that the film is lazy because it uses the same color scheme every time it goes to the same place. Do they like want me to? Do they want to like? Someone repainting their house every time they go there so it doesn't use the same color scheme over and over again. You know what we should do a review on? What? Skibbity Toilet. I'm not watching Skibbity Toilet. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I have seen, like... I was listening to the Sad Boys podcast and I saw episode one of Skibbity Toilet and then, like, episode like 80 when there was, like, a war going on. Uh, I don't know what's going on. How much Skibbity Toilet have you watched, Kyle? Uh, I think it's like 70 episodes now. Have you seen them all? Um, I had seen them all to a certain point. Why? But I, I don't know if I've seen all of the new ones. Why? Because I had an hour to kill. So how I much, got up to date with the lore. <laughs> how, how, how much skibbity toilet have you watched, Scott? Absolutely none. Keep it that way. It's just like the Gmod head in a toilet, and he sings a song. <laughs> and then somehow they're like, there's a war between the toilets, and like, was it massive like robots? Yeah. Then the humans start fighting back. Um, with TVs. Um, so, so who, like, are the skibbity toilets the bad guys? Yeah, the skibbity toilets are the bad guys, um, and the humans are trying to defend themselves against them. Um, why are the skibbity toilets attacking? I don't know. Okay. And how does a skibbity toilet attack you? Because they don't have arms. Uh, they. So they either blow you up with their rockets. Right, how are they holding the rockets? They're attached to them. How are they reloading the rockets? They have infinite ammo. How are they firing the rockets? 
I don't know. Okay. You're asking me these questions as if you don't watch B-tier horror that just uses quote-unquote magic to bridge the gap in logic. (laughs) Am I wrong? (laughs) I'm just intrigued. I'm not a huge fan of Skibbity Toilet. I can't watch 50 plus episodes. That doesn't make me a huge fan. It was pure curiosity. And, uh, 10 is curiosity. <laughs> 10 is curiosity. Can we round out this podcast? Yeah, I, I have shit to do. <laughs> You're the one to start talking about <laughs> the toilet. We were done, and then you start talking about the toilet let's run this this has been a film indeed if if we get five dms on instagram asking us to review skibbity toilet please don't say this we will review skibbity toilet (sighs) so let us know if you want the skibbity toilet review please do not message Um, anybody have anything else to say? Nope. No. Then I guess Kyle, we'll... eat. Yes, I'm gonna go eat. I guess Jesus. we'll see you in the next one then. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.